leading us in such great hymns, ladies, for doing, it is, huh? I believe, um, for doing such a masterful job in uh, playing, very good, and uh, honestly, I have the sense that my sermon has already been preached uh, through the music, uh, that was very good, I was very encouraged uh, by that. I would like for you to turn with me this morning to Colossians chapter 3. I want to go ahead and get started because I'm going to do something this morning that is rare. I'm a, I am a two-verse preacher. That means I usually get past about two verses, and this morning I'm going to try my best to cover 17. Uh, rest assured, though, I will have you out by supper. And uh, now probably a late lunch, but anyway, Colossians chapter, Colossians chapter three, the passage has already been read. Uh, I hope that the word of God has already began to take effect in your hearts. Uh, that's what we're here for this morning. I, I, sir. Ah. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's fine. I definitely want to follow protocol. Okay. But uh, in Colossians, in Colossians chapter three, Paul gives us well, he gives us a lot of instruction. I'm going to basically this morning. I'm going to basically give you an outline. But what I want to challenge you to is a new way of living in 2022. So how many of you really enjoyed 2020? That's pretty underwhelming. So how many of you really enjoyed 2021? Eh, okay. Well, I tell you what. Regardless of the events of 2022, 2022 can be a grand and God-glorifying year if we will do what is contained in this text. First of all, the first thing, and like I said, I'm pretty much going to give you an outline, follow an outline this morning just for this passage. Pursue eternal things more. Pursue eternal... We do think a lot about our environment, don't we? Now, when I say environment, I'm not talking about global warming. When I say our environment, the things that are going on in our life, uh, the, the, the COVID, how that has affected us. I just got a, a text this morning that a friend of mine uh, is out of town. He's up north in Ohio, and he, he, while he's up there, he's going to bury three either family members or friends uh, that have died from COVID. Now, that's for real. Regardless of your view of COVID, some people get it, and they're just fine, and there's no problems. But some people get it, and it's, it's not good. But regardless of your view of that, if we will look to things that are eternal, then the things that are temporal won't derail us uh, as, as, as we would think they would. Just, just think, if, if those who have died from COVID were all believers, they're happier than you are. They're better off than you are. 
they're better off than I am, and I'm doing, I'm doing what I do. I'm doing what I love to do, which is preach. And <clears throat> excuse me. And, and they're, they're better off than I am. They're in the presence of Jesus. So there's a, there's a good side to everything, a right side. But when we, when, what does the word seek mean? He says here, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So when we seek something, we pursue it, right? We, we are to, and I want to challenge you in 2022, if, if you don't get anything else this morning, I want to challenge you to pursue things that are pertinent to Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father. If we could seek those things, to have a preoccupation with eternal things, then the things of this world, as the hymn says, will grow strangely dim. We won't be as upset. We won't be as obsessed. And we won't be as troubled. Because if we're looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, we have something to look forward to. We have a goal and we have a pattern. So what about the right hand of Jesus? Can I just read a text to you? I'm sure, I'm sure that the Word of God interprets the Word of God better than me and you want to hear Scripture more than my opinion. So if you are able, turn to Hebrews chapter 7 and I'll start reading in verse 25. <clears throat> He's, Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy and harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's for this. He, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Now this is the main point of the things that we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which is the Lord, which the Lord erected and not man. That's the big deal of Jesus being at the right hand. He is there for us. He is interceding for us. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our pavilion. And yes, Jesus is our peace. And as we, as we consider those things that are, that, are appropriate, that, that are pertaining to Christ at the right hand of the Father on our behalf, 2022 will be a better year. Now, let, me, let me just be clear on one thing. Here's what I don't want you to hear. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if we look to Jesus, everything is going to go well for us. If that's what you heard, let's rewind that and erase it. That's not what I said. But I can tell you this, if our heart and our mind and our soul is set on eternal things and set on Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father for us, if that is where our affections are and that's where our mind is set, then whatever happens this year will be okay. 
But what if the stock market falls? Won't be the first time. But what if I die? Well, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know how he could say that? Because he had set his affections on things above. He said, for the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that cranks my tractor. When we, are, when we are focused on eternity, this world, you know, this world's not my home. Scripture tells me that I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a sojourner here, and that's all there is to it. And one of these days, I'm going home. I'm an ambassador while I'm here, and that's hard work. But you know what? It's all going to be worth it when we see Jesus. So if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated, is sitting at the right hand of God, Colossians 3.1. And the second thing that he tells us is to keep our mind on eternal things. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, the word set is kind of an interesting word. You know, we, we, we use that in English these days also. We say we have a mindset. Okay, we have a mindset, which means that is the way we think. It is a pattern of thinking. Proverbs 23 says that as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Did you know that the way that we think about things, the mindset that we have actually affects the way we experience things? Have you ever thought about have you ever thought about the difference? I use this in, in, in my vocation pretty often. Have you ever thought about the difference between a get to and a have to? There's only one word difference in the sentence, but what a difference it makes. I get to. I get to get up in the morning and go to work. I get to earn, I have the privilege of earning money for my family. I have the distinction privilege of going to work and preparing a retirement and preparing an inheritance for my children it's such a great privilege that I have to get up. I get to go to work can't wait or well I have to I have to get up I didn't get to sleep in till 9 o'clock this morning I've got to get up and take a shower, and I don't want to do that. I've got to go to work, but I don't like my boss, and I don't like my coworkers, and I don't like what I do, and I don't like why I do it. That's a have to. But regardless of what your job is, your job can be good or it can be pathetic, depending on your perspective. You don't have to have a job where you sleep half a day to enjoy it. So hard work is good. Do you know that work was ordained before the fall? Work is not a part of the curse. You know, when, when, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, y'all get to work. Y'all is deeply embedded in the Hebrew, but it's there. Okay? But he said, go, take dominion, let's work. Work's a good thing. But our perspective will determine whether our job, regardless of what it is, is enjoyable or not enjoyable. 
It's perspective. That's why he says, set your mind. Have a mindset uh, on things above, not on things of this world. If we're more focused on things of eternity than we are on temporal things, regardless of what happens, it's okay. It really is okay. So, but, but, Brother Andy, you don't understand. No, 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 wait, I do understand. I've lost loved ones. I've been sick. I've had surgery. I've had setbacks. I've been lied about. You know what? If my mind was focused on that, I'd be a mess. But what's this? I'm happy. Okay? It's a, gr- it's a good thing. Why? Because I know that even the suffering that we go through in this world will turn out to a more glorious eternity. Paul said it would, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I told you, I need to get right to this, and I didn't do a very good job. But what is our mind? The Greek word is nous. It's, our, uh, it's the organ of mental perception and apprehension of conscious life, of the consciousness preceding actions and recognizing and judging them. Uh, intelligent understanding as the seat of emotion and affection, the mode of thinking and feeling, disposition, moral inclination, it is equivalent to the heart. Do you hear all that? Paul said, set that, all of that, on eternity. All of our mental faculties, set them on eternity. Now there's a, there's a, there's a, a there's a, there's a statement that I hear from time to time. And it's, and it's a, well, they're just so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I, I can't comprehend that. Now, you can be a goober, okay? And you can be strange. And I get that part. But if you are genuinely heavenly minded, you are of the most benefit to everyone you're around. Because you're going to be thinking about their eternity too. You're going to think about sharing the gospel with them. You're going to think about, as a, as a Christian, how can I bless you, my brother or my sister? If you're heavenly minded, you're going to be of the most benefit to everyone you come in contact with. You're, you, unless you just go off the rail somewhere, you're not going to get heavenly, so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. Because if that seems to be the case, you're not really heavenly minded. You're some other minded. But to be heavenly minded is everybody's earthly good. Everybody that's around you. So <clears throat> keep in mind also the third thing here in this passage. And this is verses 3 and 4. That Jesus is coming with your reward. Jesus is coming with your reward. For you died, Paul says, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now I would love to let that just be my sermon to preach on that. But I want to cover a lot this morning. But that's an amazing thought. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So what does that follow? That follows seeking things which are above and set your mind on eternal things. It's like Paul is saying... You seek, you seek eternal things. You seek Jesus. And one of these days, Jesus is coming with your reward. 
Now that is Andy's paraphrased, okay? That's what Paul, that's the point that Paul is making right there. Did you know, you know, the, there in the very first, he says, for you died. Did you know that if you're a Christian, did you know that you have died? That's a weird thought, isn't it? Because we're all sitting here breathing, thinking about lunch. That's, a, that's things that living people do. But, but, but Paul just said you died. What does he mean by that? Well, there's a lot of passages in the scripture. It may not seem like we've died. But we've died to the world, according to Galatians 6.14. We have been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. We have died to sin, Romans 6.2. And we've died in many ways, but we are alive in Christ. One of the most incredible passages that we could ever put into practice is Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Man, that's incredible. And that's one, of the, that's one of the points that Paul is making here in Colossians chapter 3. One of the ways that we died is that our old man, our old nature, has passed away. Are you guys familiar, I'm sure you are, <clears throat> with 2 Corinthians 5.17? That is, I use that text very often when I'm sharing the gospel. Because Paul said there in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where if any man is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How do you become a new creation? Well, the old creation has to be done away with. It's not just a repair job. We're a broke beyond repair. We have to be made new. And that's what Jesus does when he brings us to himself. He gives us, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Those things have died. So what is it that has died? Well, our desire for sin. You say, but Pastor Andy, you don't understand. I know I'm a Christian, but I still sin. I didn't say you don't sin. I said your desire for sin. <clears throat> if, you're, if you claim to be a Christian and you still would rather live in sin, if that would be your desire to live in sin rather than to live for Jesus, there's something wrong with your profession. Sorry. Because Paul said you're a new creature. And old things have passed away and all things have become new. Our, what's old and new? The God that we once rebelled against and despised and the sin that we once loved with passion and pursued have changed places. And now it is God that we love and pursue and our sin that we despise. Now if that hasn't happened to you, then you have to back that up because Paul said, if you are in Christ, this has happened. If this hasn't happened, it might be an opportunity in 2022 to check and see if you're in Christ. I'm not trying to cause you to doubt. Both Paul and Peter both said to make our calling and election sure. That we don't deceive ourselves into thinking that we're Christians when we're not. That happens. That happens. Have you ever tried to convince Someone who <coughs> you knew wasn't a Christian because they didn't really believe in Jesus. They didn't believe that Jesus died for their sins. They didn't believe that Jesus was God. You can't be a Christian and, and not believe those things. 
Can try that one more time? You can't be a Christian and not believe those things. I'd ought to get an amen from a Baptist church. <laughs> but they believe they're Christians. Why? Well, because their daddy was a deacon. Or because they think that their good works outweigh their bad works. It doesn't work that way. You have either repented of your sin and believed that Jesus died for your sin, was buried, rose again on the third day for your justification. And that is what your hope of eternal life is resting on, nothing more and nothing less. Or you're not believing the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, according to Paul in Romans chapter 1. Also, when we think about Jesus coming with our reward, that's a beautiful thing. John says in 1 John 3, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will be like him when we see him as he is. So it's going to be a really interesting moment, isn't it? We're going to see Jesus for who Jesus is. And wait, wait, I'm like him. That's a strange thought to me. I don't think that truth of that is ever really soaked in. But I can tell you what, I'm looking forward to experiencing it. Whether I can comprehend it right now or not, I'm looking forward to it. You see, these are things, these are perspectives that Paul says we should have. And as far as Andy goes, these are perspectives that we should have that will change our 2022. It will change our 2022. He also goes on and says, Meditate on the fact that the old man is dead and we must put off the old ways of the old man. You know, it's, can I just give you a little example of that? Let's just say, let's just say that you live in a rundown house on rundown property uh, with a rundown car and to the point that you have to walk to Kroger's because your car won't run half the time. And somebody gives you a billion dollars. That's with a B. Okay? And you don't understand what a billion dollars looks like. Do you know what a billion dollars looks like? Well, I've never seen a billion dollars. I've heard about them. I've heard about billions, but I've never, I've never seen them. I've never seen a million. Every now and then I see a 20. But somebody gives you a billion dollars. Would you be wise or foolish to say, well, just because I don't understand what a billion is, so I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Living in an old rundown house, driving an old rundown car, walking to Kroger every day. When you have at your disposal more money than all of us put together will probably ever see. That's what we do a lot of times with the old man and the new man. We don't fully comprehend what it means to be to have an old man and a new man, so we don't do anything about it. But as foolish as it sounds 
for a billionaire to live in a shack. It is at least that foolish for someone who has been recreated as a new person to live like the old person. To, to, to live like, like nothing has ever happened. And by the way, if you claim to be a Christian and you live like you used to live, your testimony to the lost world is that Jesus doesn't make any difference. How many people have you ever heard? Hey, we're, we're having a, some special meetings down at the church. How about if you come visit with me? No, I got enough problems on my own. There's too much fighting in the church. I got enough fighting it where I go. Why do we why do we do that? Why do we let that happen? It's because we have not fully recognized that that our old man is gone and we actually have the potential to live like Jesus. Read Romans 6. I'll let that go. But here's what Paul said. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. And he lists off at this point a lot of sexual sins. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Did you, know, did you see the distinction there? That's the mindset of the world. That's the lifestyle of the world. And God is going to judge that. Why would we want to participate in it? In which you yourselves, you see the distinction? They do, and you shouldn't. You did, but you shouldn't. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourselves are, put, are to put off these, and these are attitudes, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man his deeds. It's pretty interesting. Now, I'm not, I don't have time. I'm not going to do this. But if you want to see a wonderful parallel passage to this, read Galatians chapter 5. Because when Paul talks about uh, put to death your members in Galatians 5, he says almost the exact same thing, but he says this is a war with the flesh. Our body is not our friend. Do you know that? Our body craves things that... It shouldn't crave, but, but, but let me just say, the things that our body craves, are a lot of them are God-given. You know, if we, if we didn't get hungry, we would die of starvation. If we didn't get thirsty, we would die of dehydration. If we didn't feel like we, if we, didn't feel like we were going to suffocate, we, we, could, uh, we could die of lack of oxygen. All of those things are natural desires. It's when those desires get out of bounds and become things that we serve. That's what Paul's talking about. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but sex is God-given. It's not a dirty word. It's a wonderful thing in the confines that God has ordained. But when it gets out of hand, Paul just listed off a lot of ways to not do, to not do what God has ordained as a good thing in the proper context. Um, put off the old man. These are the marks of the old man. Don't yield to sinful desires of the body, particularly sinful sins, sexual sins. And he lists them out. Fornication, which the, the Greek word is pornea, which refers to all types of sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness refers to all types of lustful thoughts and unclean, even unclean talks and jokes and actions. Passions. 
refers to a strong desire and in the context uh, of a sexual nature. Evil desires, which are similar to, to the passions, but it's an intensity. It's an intense, uncontrollable urge for the forbidden. The King James, you guys remember the King James? Okay, I do. I love the King James. The only reason I'm not preaching from the King James this morning is because I got tired of explaining what words meant. But here's, here's the thing. King James uses a great word here that I bet most of you don't use every day. It's concupiscence. How many of you used that yesterday? Yeah. You know what it means? It means a desire for the forbidden. What, is, what does the proverb say? Stolen waters are sweet. That's what we struggle. That's how we struggle. Because on our inside, we want to be our own. We want to answer to ourselves. Can I put it that way? Not to God. But he said, but Paul says here, put those things away. Do you agree that those things ought to be put away? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna statistically speaking, I don't want to get I don't want to get off in the weeds here. But statistically speaking, there are a few people in this room, and these days it's not just men, it's women too, that struggle with pornography. If you really want, if you really want to obey this, that needs to go. That needs to go. All of these things, I need to move on, I'm sorry. But also, he says here in this other list to control your thinkings and your thinking and emotion it has to do with our with the thinking and the attitude of the old man anger now is anger evil well certainly it is not jesus was angry when he ran the money changers out of the temple and the bible says that god is angry with the wicked every day so anger itself is not wicked but when anger god gave us anger god gave us anger to recognize injustice and as a source of energy to fight injustice. But when that anger is rooted in our selfishness, then that anger becomes sinful. It's a state of relatively strong displeasure. Wrath is when that state of displeasure goes into action in taking vengeance. Malice is a desire uh, for hurt, mean-spirited or vicious. Blasphemy, that's speech that denigrates or defames, reviling or disrespects. Filthy language out of your mouth, uh, that's a speech of a kind that is generally considered in poor taste. Obs- obscene speech, dirty talk. Let me just put a little parenthesis right here. I don't know what it is about today's culture, particularly Christian culture, but there are a lot of Christians that think it's okay to just cuss whenever they want to. And I've had people say, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't cuss. And I'm saying cuss. We're in the South. We understand what that means, right? But it does. It's not a good testimony. It's not like Jesus. These things that Paul says to put off are the things that are not like Jesus. In a minute, we're going to look at a list that is like Jesus. But that is the difference between putting off the old man and putting on the new man. He says, put on the new man by renewing your thinking. I wish I had enough time to talk to you about the verses in the New Testament that deal with our thinking. 
Romans, one of my favorite texts is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. But verse 2 in particular says, Don't be conformed to this world. But who can finish that? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind will transform your life. You know, I already gave you the example of I get to or I have to. Changing your perspective to a biblical perspective will change your life. It will transform your life. If you're thinking like the world, Paul says don't. He says be renewed in the spirit of your mind in Ephesians 4. He says be transformed by the renewing of your mind there in Romans 2. He says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. And the list goes on and on and on about the way that we think. And brothers and sisters, the way that we let our thinking run is the way that our day is going to go. If we let our thinking be dominated and ruled by the flesh, we're just going to let our mind go. You've done that before. When somebody pulls out in front of you here on Slaughter Road and it scares you and you honk your horn at them and things go through your mind and you don't let that thought go, you don't bring that thought into captivity, which is another passage there in, uh, where is that, 2 Corinthians 10, about bringing every thought into captivity. We don't do that and we just let it, we almost feed our mind with anger and man, if I just thought I would have done this or next time, next time this is what I'm going to say, that'll get them. You've never thought anything like that, have you? Am I the only one that's ever thought anything like that? But that's passive thinking. Active thinking is bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's what Paul is saying. Let your thinking, let your thinking be Christian. He says, put, put on the new man by, the, by renewing your mind. And he's... Putting on is the same word here. In, in first century Rome, it would have been the same word that we use. We're going to put on a coat or I'm going to put on my clothes. It's the same word. But there's something about that. If you think about it, clothing is not a part of us naturally. It's something that we have to intentionally put on, right? Thank you. I'm just making sure you're awake. I, be, I bet this morning... You didn't say, shirt, hop on. No. Only Iron Man does that, right? You had to pick it up and unbutton it off the hanger, put your arms in, button it up. You had to do all that yourself because it wasn't going to do it for you. And Paul says in the same way, put on this way of thinking. Uh, it has to be done intentionally. And it needs to be done according, as Paul says, according to the image of him who created him. And, according, and there's a lot of pronouns there. But if you'll take note on the screen in this passage right here, in the image of him, capital H, which is Jesus, who created him, that is the new man. Jesus created the new man. And so we ought to be, we ought to be changing our thinking to be thinking like Jesus and he says, this is to put on the characteristics of the new man's thinking. He says, as the elect of God. Therefore, as the elect of God. And then he says two other things about you. That you are holy. That is set apart. You are set apart. Okay? 
and beloved. That ought to motivate you. That ought to motivate us. God has particularly set his love on us and set us apart. (coughs) So we ought to put into our thinking tender mercies, which is compassion, kindness, which is being helpful or beneficial, humility, which is thinking of other people more than thinking of ourselves, meekness, strength under control, long-suffering, that self-restraint, bearing with one another, now here's a good one, to endure the behavior of others. Just think about that for a moment. How good are you at that? How good are you, how good are we at putting up with one another? Or how many times would we rather say, well, I can't believe they said that. Or I can't believe that. I just can't. In the mind of Christ, aren't you glad he can put up with us? If we're to live like Jesus, we need to learn to graciously put up with one another. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another, that is to release that person from the obligation of repayment of a debt. That's what forgiveness is. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. In other words, if I, and that's worded a little bit funny, don't you agree? It's a little curious how that's stated. Here's what Paul is saying. If I have something against you, this is again, this is Andy's paraphrase. If I have something against you, I have a complaint against you, I need to get over it. Peter said, put on love. Because love covers a multitude of sins. If I love you, I'm going to let it go. Now, obviously it does. There are some qualifications there that I can't reach right now. But if it's something that is, if it's something that's not going to matter tomorrow, it is in our best interest to let it go. I'm going to move on down. As we speak, what does the New Testament say about our speech? We, Paul, here he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So how are we supposed to watch our words? We're to speak with grace, Colossians 4, 6. We're to speak in a way that is edifying or building each other up, Ephesians four twenty nine, And we're to speak with discretion. What do you mean by discretion? Here's an example. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. That's speaking with discretion. Be careful whatever you do indeed. Guard your actions. Jesus himself said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And he says, Do it in the name of Jesus. What in the world does that mean? I think we, in our thinking we have been at some level corrupted by the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, the charismatic movement. Now, if you tend toward a charismatic movement, I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm just trying to tell you this is not what that means, to do something in Jesus' name so we can expect something to uh, fulfill our own desire. 
well, what does it mean to do something in Jesus' name? It means to do something in the authority, in the authority of Jesus. Let me give you one example, and yes, I'm, for a minute, let me do the Baptist thing. You look at my watch, okay? You know what that means, right? Nothing, nothing. But in Acts chapter 4, you remember that uh, Peter had just, uh, in Jesus' name, uh, Ray, let the, the lame man who was laid at the gate beautiful, uh, he had, in Jesus' name, commanded him to walk. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked him, this is the Sanhedrin questioning the apostles, by what power or by what name? There's the key. Power or name. Authority. By what power or name have you done this? And here's Peter's answer. Let it be known to you all and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. You see how he did that? Slip the gospel right in there as he's telling them that. By him, this man stands here before you. To do things in the name of Jesus uh, is to do things consistent with who he is and what he wants. If I've lived in Madison since 1962. Okay? You didn't think any of us were still around, did you? 1962, my family moved to Madison. I know a lot of people in Madison. And here's, here's a point I want to make. If I sent you to the grocery store and all, everybody in that grocery store knew who I was and I gave you my credit card to buy some stuff for a Sunday school outing and you picked up a couple of cases of beer, okay, and some Twinkies and, some, and just some, some things you kind of wanted and you took my card up to the cashier and said, here, Andy said this was okay. They look at the name on that card and they say, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. That's not what Andy would buy. So would you take that back? They know that I have not authorized that. Let me shorten down the rest of my sermon. What is what you do authorized by Jesus? If you were to bring a list of what, at the end of the day today, if you were to bring a list of everything that you've done to Jesus, would he sign off on it? If not, we shouldn't do it. And I'll close with the very last passage, and this is not in the text that I read, but in the last part there of, Chapter 3 of Colossians, Paul says this. This is one of the first verses I had my kids memorize. And whatever you do, do it heartily. Put your heart into it. Do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So in 2022, let's consider our mindset and intentionally make it eternal. Let's consider the fact that Jesus is coming. 
Let's consider the fact that we're dead to our sin and we don't have to live in our sin anymore, but we're alive unto Christ and able to live unto righteousness. And everything that we do needs to be measured through the grid of, is Jesus okay with this? Would he authorize what I'm doing? And as we do what we do, let's put our heart into it. Father, I want to thank you for this privilege of sharing your word. Lord, I know that the speaker is sinful and inadequate. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would cause your word not to return void, but to accomplish everything you intend. And Lord, that we would leave here more like Jesus, and that 2022 would be a different year for us individually, for Haven Baptist Church. Than, it, than it's ever been before because we have set our mind on things above. In Jesus' name, amen.